Hi, my name is Bill Cumby. I'm a uh, teacher at First Church Ministries. We're studying the book of Ephesians. And um, uh, in this unsettled time, <laughs> I guess I'm a bit unsettled too, uh, as far as just getting started on things. So I, I'd like to open in prayer that God would uh, open our hearts and minds and we would really delve deep into his word and learn to love him more. Lord, we uh, thank you for the time we have. We thank you that you provided, uh, you've provided apostles and prophets for us that we could learn from them who you are and how to love you more and the great uh, plans you have for us and the great love you have for us. And so as we study Ephesians today, we pray that you continue to open our hearts and minds, that your spirit would fill us and uh, just uh, help us grow in our love towards you and towards others um, as we study your word. We ask in your name, Jesus. So uh, again, we, we looked at the, uh, the key verse on Ephesians here, that the uh, mystery that was, is being revealed in Ephesians is the fact that Christ um, would unite all things in him, and things in heaven and on earth. So the, and, and of that, the first and foremost is the church. So the church is the body of Christ. But the mystery is that all things will be united to Christ. And so the, the Jewish nation... Uh, prepared and prepared and prepared for a Messiah that would lead them and, and, and redeem them from the curse of sin and, and from the, the, the effects of sin in their lives, okay? And, and it came through Christ, but it came in a way they did not expect. And so Paul is, is explaining that God's plan for the Jewish nation in all world, all people, the Gentiles too, is to unite all things in Christ. It was always his plan. God's plan was always a deep, intimate relationship with his people. Uh, and that would be accomplished through Christ. So, so deep and intimate that you couldn't separate the, the head from the body, that Christ was the head and, and we are the body of Christ, or that, that Christ is uh, husband and the church is bride. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk a little about that, not this lesson, but next lesson we'll be talking about Christ and the church as, uh, as uh, husband and bride. And, uh, but this time we're talking about unity and living together. Now, Paul structures a lot of his epistles in, in two sections. One is, is, um, is more theoretical, giving the foundation for what he's going to be teaching about. And then the second half is more the outwork. And, okay, because of this, this is this. This is how you should do it. And so for first chapters one through three, we studied what the church, the fact that God loved us and cared for us and provided a way for us and that we've been saved through grace through Christ and that um, we are no longer uh, separate, but that we're united in Christ in one body. And chapter four actually starts, so, so because of this, because you are one, because you've been saved through Christ and because you're united as one body, what does that mean? And so we went through four and we went into uh, yet last time in uh, we're in chapter 5 this time, but I, I want to reach back into chapter 4 here uh, at the very beginning because this is where he starts talking about how you walk, okay? Uh, and he says, therefore, as a, I, I, therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. And so our life is, is uh, the body of Christ, involves a walk, and we, we're urged to um, to walk in a manner worthy. And he, he ex explicates that. He talks about the fact that we're to uh, uh, do that in all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain uh, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And uh, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, and I cut it off there, but it talks about that they gifted the church with teachers and pastors and apostles and so that the church would be built up so it wouldn't be tossed to and fro with winds of, you know, false teaching. But, but what I want, I want to emphasize here is that he does not talk about doctrine as the unifying factor here. He talks about um, that, that we should have humility and gentleness and patience. And, and the, the truth of this is, is that um, truth is very, very important. And, and, but, but truth only supports the relationship. And so the relationship is more important. And so when you get something like uh, Mary and Martha, with Lazarus, you get Jesus saying, Mary's chosen the better part, and Mary's just listening. Martha's doing all the work. And so it's like, yeah, but everyone wants to do that. The truth is, everyone really doesn't want it. Everyone wants to not maybe rest and enjoy themselves, but maybe not at the feet of the master, okay? And so there is this, um, this call for unity and love and patience and uh, um, bearing with one another, that is the hardest part of the Christian walk. Doctrine is not the hardest part. Doctrine is important. You should be sitting under good teaching. You should be sitting under um, pastors that teach from the Word of God that really explicate that and that you, you desire. Your desire ultimately is to find out what God's Word really says and to do it and to live it, not to find, go into to find out what you want to do and how to live it. Um, but the big problem we have is each other. Okay, it's, 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 it. and, and we're going to talk a little about that in this lesson and the next lesson, but I want you to reach back into, again, beginning of chapter 4, where he talks about, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, and, and then he goes into how we behave to one another first, before he goes into the doctrine. Now, he goes into, uh, at the end of chapter 4, we get into verse 17, where he says, Now I say this and testify the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And so he's starting to contrast. He's saying, you lived in, you have a new life. Don't walk like you used to walk. And uh, this is not pejorative of the Gentiles as opposed to, let's say, the Jewish people. But the Jewish people had that set of rules that came from God. They, they knew what the law was. They didn't live it all the time, and more than Gentiles did. But, but they had it. And so he's saying, but the Gentiles, you can't live like them because in the futility of their thinking, it says, they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of the heart. They just, we just don't know. And again, it, 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 the Gentiles are us, okay? Um, and, uh, and he's not excluding Jewish people from the hardness of the heart and the ignorance, but he's saying the Gentiles had no marker of what truth was. And because of that, they were more easily swayed and led astray. All of us have gone astray, but that they, in particular, didn't have the truth revealed to them. Um, and so he says they became callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Now, interesting, again, he doesn't go into the fact that they're wrong doctrinally. He goes into the fact that their relationships are, are very, uh, they're greedy, they're sensual, they're they're living in an earthly plane. There's no idea of there's the, of the spirit that resides within them. There uh, and, the, and the precious worth of that. And again, of God's spirit, they're totally ignorant. And so he says, um, 
he says, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming you have heard about him or were taught in him and the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, um, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through his deceitful desires. And there's a there. So we all have deceitful desires. Okay? It's just, so think about the words here, deceitful desires. So we have desires and they're lies. They're lies we hear, like if you get, if you do this and you'll be accepted, or if you got this, you'll be happy. And so there's these deceitful desires that are in our lives, um, and we're to put them off and be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And so the desires that motivate us as unbelievers um, cannot motivate us as believers. Uh, I say cannot, they do, okay? There's still this struggle, and he's going to talk about there, but ultimately they cannot. As a, as a believer, we must have different desires, we, and they can't be sensual uh, physical desires. There's more desires of relational uh, purity with, with God and with others. And so he says, renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so, again, the righteousness is, a, is an appeal, again, to doctrinal or to truth. You have, we don't want to get along at the expense of truth. But what causes us not to get along is generally not truth, okay? So uh, you know, we'll talk about that in a bit more detail. Um, so, so this is um, this is that same passage just explicated like we talked last time. To walk, we no longer walk as the Gentiles, but we put off our old self, and we're renewed in the spirits of our minds, and we put on our new self. So, so that's, that's what we talked about last week. Um, and because of that, there's things we put away falsehood, and we speak the truth to the neighbor, and we don't let the sun go down on our anger. We don't give an opportunity to the devil. Uh, we don't steal, but we, we labor to give those others in needs. Um, no corrupting talk comes out of your mouth, but only things are building others up. Um, and we don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God when we talk about that. But, but so, so he starts with, so, but Paul doesn't start here. Paul doesn't start about what we should be doing. Before he talks about the, again the general background and, and one through three about who we are in God and Christ and uniting all things, and then he talks about the fact that we have to have unity and that we should. And then he starts talking about our walk, and he says you shouldn't walk like you did before. You walked in death before. You were objects of wrath before. He says in chapter two, before you uh, you were dead in your sins in which you used to walk, you were by nature objects of wrath. We're not like that anymore, and so we should be doing this, and so. It's not just that we should be doing something. It should be that we do something because of something. And so um, Paul is telling us we need to become someone new. Um, I don't know about you. That's an encouraging thing for me because um, I'm not real comfortable with who I am. And uh, and I, I, I lack that power to change. I see... I see things in my life that I don't like about myself, and yet I do. And so Paul is saying here, put off those things. Put off your old self and put on your new self. And, he, and again, that's a spiritual thing. It's something you do through the Holy Spirit, and uh, there's different ways that that happens. The Holy Spirit dwells in us and gives us the power to do things. He also dwells in us and helps us understand God's Word. So, you, so if you want to get from point A to B, 
uh, and you've never been to B before, you need some kind of map or something, or at least you have to have an idea of the terrain and stuff like that. And, and scripture is that terrain. Scripture is the map that tells us how we should be living. And the Holy Spirit helps us interpret it. And then there's other people around us. Now, I, you know, we are created as a body. One of the things that God is really... Um, that we undersell in Western society, because, uh, and I should say all Western society, but particularly American society, is individualism. We are, well, you can't tell me what to do. I'm an individual. I have rights and stuff like that. Um, that is not a strong teaching in Scripture, okay? I'm, I'm saying we do, but that's not the primary. The primary teaching is that we have responsibilities to one another, not that we have rights for ourselves, but that we are part of a body and we have responsibilities for others. And therefore, uh, we all have we all have our big gaps, and it's easier to see big gaps in other people than it is in uh, in ourselves. One of the things is, um, uh, let's say, the founding fathers when they said, uh, we, "We hold these uh, truths to be self evident that all men are created equal and, and uh, endowed with certain inalienable rights from God," and then they had slaves. Okay. So I'm not saying that everyone's got things together on things, but I'm saying it's easy to see that horrible gap in there. But the point is, is that we we have we are endowed. They got the grasp. They grasp the fact that we have rights that are given by God, and, that, and those rights are that all men are created equal. Now they got the execution totally wrong. But again, that's part of the Gentiles. And, and you say, well, weren't they believers? They were deists. And and they, they, and by the way. Um, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you get it right all the time. Horrible as it is to say, there were believers in there and there were unbelievers. There were very devout believers and there were people that didn't care much about God in that group. Um, as a whole, they were deists. They believed in God and they had felt that God had created these rights. And yet they fell down on the execution of them because in the relationship. Paul's trying to help us not do that. He's trying to help us understand, well, if you believe this, then you must do this. If you believe you're the body of Christ, you must act like the body of Christ. And so this is what he's doing here. And um, so, so he carries on in chapter 5. And that's, that's why I know there's a long introduction here. But the reason I go through it is because chapter 5 continues chapter 4. And if you don't see what's going on in chapter 4, chapter 5 makes no sense. So, so I'm going to read this section, and then I have a breakdown of it on the thing. But... Uh, therefore, be imitators of God. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is improper for the sa- among the saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For of this you may be sure that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance as the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with, with them, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in what is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in our fruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. 
for it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, and anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to, the, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So um, let me break this down. Um, he says, first, be imitators of God as children. Okay, so, so children, he doesn't say is, is um, sons and daughters. He says it's children, little kids, okay? And the little kids, so, so, so <laughs> kids to be teenagers, sometimes they don't really look that up to you that much. But the little kids almost universally look up their mother and father, you know, and they want to imitate them. They want to play, you know, they want to do whatever mom or dad does as their job and stuff like that. They want to be like that. And so he's saying, be imitate, be imitators as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us, Christ, the son of the father. So the same is, is Christ was, it was uh, the reflection on God the father. So we should be a reflection on God the father. Um, and that Christ gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice. So keep that in the back of the mind, that it's not all peaches and cream there, okay? That, that walking as a little kid is not all just fun, but there's a sacrifice involved in this, too. So as adults, and adult children, we, we, there's, a, there's a sacrifice here as we grow into that. And so these are some of the sacrifices. So sexual immorality and impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you. Um, let no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking. So, so I, I, let me take a step back. So the first one, um, in this world, this is a very, um, uh, for lack of a better term, highly sex world. I mean, we, the, the sex is drawn out and, and run by us all the time. It's so sexualized, it's very hard. And so you see things we were seeing. Uh, we watched uh, TV shows last night, and I'm not going to name them, talk about the things, but there were some... Um, uh, sexual uh, stuff there that was accepted as just normal and everyday, and and I'm not just talking about uh, actual physical sexual things, but uh, concepts and ideas and stuff like that. And he's saying um, he, he should be named among you, okay? Well, then I couldn't watch anything. Okay, so this is a hard this is a hard road here. So uh, number one, we need to not buy into it. Um, and number two, if we watch things and we watch certain shows, there's certain shows that portray it in such a way that I don't know that you can really watch it without taking into it, okay? Uh, and in, most people think they, I can watch it but not partake of it. Well, probably not, okay? I'm sure you make your own idea. Probably not. I, I, we, we, are, we are willing to justify ourselves beyond what goes in there. So, so Paul didn't have to address this issue, but I think he would I think there'd be an admonition in here saying there's certain things you can't watch and talk about either too. I'm mean, not, not, not just participate in, but there's certain things that you should just not keep out of your mind. Um, and, uh, and then there's no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking. Now, all of us know there's a time there. It, it can be fun to really joke around and do this. I think. Are you saying that I can't have any fun being with friends when we're just, Right? 
Yes and no, okay? Because there, there is the crude joke and a coarse joke and that you, there might be some fun in it type of thing, but it's still wrong, okay? So sometimes humor has become, well, I know it's wrong, but it's funny. That's not a good excuse for wrong, okay? I'm just saying in this society, we've begun to say certain things are acceptable if they're funny or if they make me happy or I mean good. Paul is saying, no, 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 that's not what's going on here. And if you do it, it's going to hurt you. You're going to be feeding that old man. You're not going to be feeding the new man. Well, can I have any fun? Well, yeah, you can. And he talks about that. But your idea of fun has to change. And, and, and some, of the, some of the fun that you have resulting in filling your desires, your fleshly and carnal desires or physical desires, are going to be forbidden to you. And so are you going to have less fun? Well, yeah, in certain areas, you're not going to get as much enjoyment. But those are areas you shouldn't have been in anyway. This is the tension of the Christian life. God has something better for you, but you got to give up your stuff. It's, it's C.S. Lewis says, he says, we, we, we expect too little from God. When God promises all these wonderful things, which is what is being promised here, is a new life, a beautiful life, a wonderful life. We're like little kids that are playing in the, in the gutter making mud pies, and we're being offered a trip to the ocean, a vacation to the ocean, but we don't know what that's about, and so we want to go on making our mud pies. He says that in The Weight of Glory, a short essay, which I will email to you that you can put, uh, Jose's behind, I'll point to him, that you can put on the thing, but I, I read that uh, a couple times a year. It's a very short essay uh, that talks about the weight of glory, that what we are going to, but he says our desires are too small, that instead of, instead of, wanting all God has for us, we're, we're running about with sex and power and a bunch of other stuff that really is not where the game is. And so Paul is saying the same thing here. He's saying, you've got to put this off. Yes, they're fun and joking and getting with the boy and doing, you know, just knocking things about and saying, that, yeah, there can be some real fun in that, but it's not ultimate fun. And it's at the expense of hurting others and hurting our own soul. So um, he says, let no one see you, verse 6, with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, therefore do not be partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And the truth is, is those things lead to death. Those things are sin. Those things are rebellion. We talk about that we want to respect other people. This society has become very highly respectful of other people. But then we're not willing to give up things like this because it's disrespectful to people. So, so we need to be very careful about having an ideal of respecting others, but not an actuality of respecting others. And so he's saying these things hurt people. They hurt you and they hurt other people. So walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in what is good and right and true. Think about that. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in what is good and right and true. Just let those wash over you, good and right and true. There's, there's a, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. In other words, not can I do this, is this line of sin here, but, but what can I do to please God? Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's hard, okay? It's one thing to not take part of them, it's another thing to expose them. God does call us to be uh, bearers of righteousness for those that cannot bear that right, take care of themselves. Um, 
for it is shameful to even speak of the things they do in secret. Um, but when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So the image here is we want to be changed and transformed so that when the light shines on us, we're not found to be naked. Okay? Um, and we're going to talk in the next thing. So, so nakedness is before the fall was fine, and after the fall they cover themselves. It wasn't that nakedness was wrong then, it was that they were trying to hide something spiritually. Okay? And, and when they, we, we're physical, uh, spiritual beings, and so they knew they had to hide something, and so they hid what they could, which was to sew fig leaves on them or whatever leaves on them to cover themselves. Um, so, so here it's saying, the light exposes all things, and you don't want to be found wanting. You don't want to be found with sin in your life at that time. So God is giving us the opportunity to please him. Okay. So Mother's Day is coming up. Don't forget Mother's Day and Father's Day after that. And there's some memes going around. Yeah, this crisis will take you know, Mother's Day, no, no celebration, but it'll be okay by Father's Day because that's how life is, and maybe so. But um, the... the um, the thing <laughs> I get off on rabbit trails, uh, much worse than Paul ever did. Um, we want to please God as a parent, okay, as father, mother. Um, God is not female, um, but he's not male either. <laughs> so, so uh, he's beyond female maleness. He is God complete. Okay. Man is that mankind is male and female together. God is is encompasses both and goes beyond both, I guess is what I would say. So uh, but we want to please him. We want to please him as we would want to please our parents, our mother and our fathers. Um, okay, so the last section then. Um, so look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. We live in a time-space matrix. Time is one of the things God, God tells us to redeem the time, but he also tells us that the days are evil. There's a lot, and perhaps in a lot of ways, I guess every society has thought this, there are a lot of evil days. There's a lot of darkness in this world. Um, and the darkness in the world at that time was the polytheism, and there's some horrible practices out there. Um, but we have problems here, too. We have hatred here. It's really funny that we can be so evolved socially and yet so horrible in how we treat people too. So um, he's talking about walk as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Uh, I would say you can't not understand what the will of God is if you don't know your word, the scripture. People died for the word of God. We have it now and most people I'd say most believers, my guess is, spend less than 15 minutes a day in God's Word, okay? There's no excuse for that. I just have to say, there's no excuse. That's happened to me, too, okay? I mean, there's times when that, is ha that has been there, um, and, and not in the far past either, because we all fall. We get too busy. We start doing things, uh, or we're skirting around with areas we shouldn't be skirting around in, which necessarily make us not want to be as much in God's Word, because God's Word is a light, it's sort of a disinfectant, it, it, and it can be uncomfortable to be around. But it says, understand what the will of God is. We need to do that. Um, 
don't be drunk with wine, which is debauchery. By the way, he doesn't say don't drink wine. I'm not going to go there and have that discussion here. But the, the discussion here is comparing drunkenness with being filled with the Spirit. He's not talking about drinking wine. He's saying, um, he's saying, when you drink wine, you lose control of yourself. Don't be drunk with wine, losing control of yourself, but be filled with the Spirit. But if you're going to lose control, lose control to the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be be filled with the Spirit in the same way that drunkenness would be let you make you lose control. So let you have let the Spirit have control of your life. But the interesting thing is when you're filled with the Spirit, how do you lose control? Oh, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Well, that's wild. I mean, uh, it, it, he's, he's talking about enjoy your relationship with God. I mean, sing these songs um, to God and have, you know, music is a very, very powerful motivator. Um, and, and music is such a powerful motivator that it can motivate you for good or evil, okay? And, and I'm, I'm not saying there's good and evil music out there. I, that's probably a discussion for another time. But I'm saying this, music can motivate you to do good or to do bad. And um, it, it, he's saying here, use the music for good. Use songs, hymns, spiritual songs, um, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I was talking with Jose just before we started this. God is telling me more and more in my life, you need to be, and I, and I see more and more in my life, you need to be thankful for everything. The hard times, the problems, the difficulties. Not that we want them, but we know that God only brought them into our lives because ultimately he will work good out of them. I, I'm not saying, and I know that people are suffering diseases and sicknesses and loss of loved ones, and I'm not saying those things are good, and I'm not saying you should rejoice in those things, okay? Um, but we need to be thankful that God's in control all the time. Not most of the time, but all the time even though we can't see it. Um, I will say there's a lot of good things going on in my life right now. I'm very thankful for. There's a couple bad things in my life right now that I'm really questioning why they're in it. But I need to learn to be thankful for that because God, uh, even today, just before I came here, I was talking with my wife. We were talking about some relationships um, that uh, our children had, one of our children had with someone and, and that, um, and then how it, related to relationships that I've had and that she had. And the idea was it, it, the relationship that I saw in my son um, uh, helped me understand a relationship issue that I had in my life too. And it, it wasn't easy for my son and it wasn't easy for me, but I'm thankful that I was able to see that. Okay, that's why I'm saying. So there's a thankfulness that he wants us to have. Um, and uh, for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then submitting out of reverence uh, to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, uh, submission is a big issue, and, and I'm way out of time, and so I'm closing here because the next section actually talks about submission. It talks about husbands and wives and submission of wives, but I will note here, and I'll pick it up on the next thing, that first it talks about us submitting to one another. And again, I'd love to go into that in, in a lot of detail but I'll try to pick that up in the next one. I will close with saying this. The submission is part of what he talked about back in, um, in when we went in chapter 4 uh, at the very beginning where he says, um, 
with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. So there's this, this submission that, that, that calls us to put others before ourselves. And, uh, and that's what he's talking about. We're going to pick it up on the next lesson, but I'm going to close this in prayer now. Lord, we thank you for the time we've had together. Thank you for watching over us. And um, thank you for your gift of your word and for other people that impact us in our lives. We thank you for the body of believers. And we pray in this time of uh, increased separation because of this coronavirus and the necessity of social distance, we just pray that you would um, make us appreciate each other more and more and long for the day that we will be more face-to-face and enjoy that and, and through eternity too. We ask in your name, Jesus.